Hello and welcome to Congress Talks, a podcast that brings you the latest from the Irish Congress of Trade Unions. I'm Aileen O'Mara and in this episode, why our costly and fragmented early childcare system needs to change. Most European countries, most mainland European countries consider childcare as a public good. We consider it as a commodity. And the shocking statistics behind women and low pay in Ireland. We are among the highest in terms of low pay when measured as a proportion of the average wage. Who Cares is the title of a major report on Irish childcare costs and practices from Congress. It calls for increased public investment in the sector and a living wage for early childcare workers. It says early childcare needs to be good quality, accessible and affordable. The lead author of the report is Dr Peter Rigney and he told me that thousands of union members were asked how they managed their early childcare. We surveyed 3,700 union members and asked them what they thought and what the issues were. And then we did a comparison of where we are uh, on a European scale, where we, in terms of you know, top of the class, middle of the class, bottom of the class. It turns out we, we share the unenviable position with the UK of being bottom of the class. But what came out the most... Um, was a number of things for, for working parents is how cost was the main thing over quality. They were, they were forced into that position. The other thing was the extent to which people relied on extended family. About one third almost, yeah. isn't it? And, and to a great extent, that's grandparents and grandmothers. Um, the other thing we found that, and this was from a, a European website known as Euromont, which is actually set up to measure tax and its effect, is when you look at, say, supports to childcare. Ireland comes, you know, reasonably in the middle to average in the EU. But when you then factor in childcare costs, we are catapulted right to the bottom in terms of the tax penalty that is incurred on the second earner going back to work. And the tax penalty can be as high as 100%. And we saw that in the free text on the survey was people, mainly women, saying, you know, I'm working to pay for childcare, but I'm, I'm just doing it to, to, keep, to keep my career on the go for the moment. Or w- one person saying, why didn't you have a box asking people, do they know anyone who had given up work due to the cost of childcare? Which also is quite significant. It, it's, yeah, and, and had you to do it again, we, w- we would have tried mm-hmm. to find a way to measure that. Uh, but also it, it's significant because um, it can lead to a diminution of social welfare contributions, which in the long term can lead to the reduction of Pensions payable to women. Mm-hmm. And it is primarily women who. It who is are primarily women. Minders. I mean, yeah. you're supposed to be gender neutral, but let's face it, it is mainly women who do, who do, do this work. Yeah. It, the cost is very high for families. And then on the other side, for people working in the sector, it's characterised by low pay and poor career progression. Yeah. And I mean, the way we try to measure low pay, there's a couple of surveys and they're, they're fairly well done by some of the operator groups. But the best way we found was to use SOLUS data on turnover. The rate of turnover for child minors is 22%, which is roughly the same as for waiters and waitresses. Very high. Which is, you know, it's not considered a career. It's, it's how people tie themselves over, over their college years. And yet we have the same level of turnover for, for child minders. And, and, and as somebody said to me, you never see a tip jar in a creche, you know. So, you know, what you see is what you get. There are, there are low wages. There's little... Uh, chance of progression and there is a, a statutory requirement from the state to get yourself a certain level of qualification at your own expense. One of the key recommendations is about a living wage for workers in the sector. Um, the living wage is 11.50 an hour um, and that's a realistic estimate of what people need to 
to live decently within this economy and society. And that should be an objective for workers in the childcare sector if we expect them to stay in the sector and mind all our children. The comparison between Ireland and Europe is another interesting one where in relation to public investment in preschool childcare. Yeah. We're down there at the bottom, really, aren't we? We're down there at the bottom at about 0.2% of GDP as opposed to the, the UNICEF recommendation of 1% of GDP. Uh, and it's even worse because, uh, I suppose, an awful lot of the direct comparison, our low babies and high babies in, in primary school would be considered childcare in a European context uh, and would actually go, go earlier and, and would begin to cut in at about 1 to 18 months. One thing that would, that would do an awful lot in the short term would be to carry through on the promise to introduce parental leave for the first year of an infant's life. All the sociology and the child psychology says that children do well out of this, do best out of this. It would allow the creche operators to close down the baby rooms, which have a staff, staffing ratio of one to four, and would thereby increase, allow them to redeploy staff into toddlers' rooms, which have, I think, one to six or one to seven, so they could make more profit. And, and one of the difficulties for union in extracting a decent wage from an employer is the profitability or otherwise the sector. And it's not profitable, really? It's, it's profits are, 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 are razor thin. Profits are razor thin. But then the, at, a, at a societal and at a f- philosophical level, most European countries, most mainland European countries, consider childcare as a public good. We consider it as a commodity. So let's look at the recommendations of this report. I mean, as I say, there's a lot of good information in there. You've done the survey, you've yeah. put figures together, you've done the comparisons. Firstly, you're looking at better public investment, really, isn't it? Yeah, you're looking at better, and in the current circumstances, if, you, if you're talking in the public sphere about better public investment, you've got to identify revenue streams from, mm-hmm. from Where's the money going to come from, yeah. And one of the things would be a surcharge on, on PRSI, on, on certain high wages, and divert on employers' PRSI and divert it towards childcare. And it is employers' groups... Who are, who are among the groups who are saying that we, we have to do more. Because if people are giving up work to look after children, and the chances are they are women, the chances are, given the demographic, 60 to 70% of them will have a third-level degree. And that's a huge waste of human resources. And shortly before we, pr- we produced our report, uh, the Chambers of Commerce of Ireland uh, came out with a similar report saying this problem has to be fixed. Uh, the other issue, uh, and again, it's within the government's capacity to do it, uh, is to have parental leave lasting for a year. And th- that fundamentally, it solves the problem for, for parents trying to mind mm-hmm. between six months and a year at the moment, and that increases profitability. So are you saying ring-fence that money from the money collected? Yeah, in, well, it's, there's a, the Department of Finance don't like ring-fencing money, but there is a precedent for this, because in the National Training Fund, uh, 0.5% of employers' PRSI is taken and put to finance training on the grounds that everyone has a has a an interest in improving the levels of skill in the labour market, individual workers, the economy as a whole, and their employers. Uh, what's interesting in this is that I mean, em- employers are saying they need the inc- the increased labour market participation. They talk about skill shortages. Now, while in terms of the membership base, they might have difficulty come out in, in, in publicly supporting it. I mean, employers are the people who are saying this has to be fixed. Um, and it can't be fixed for nothing. There has to be an investment basis there. It is a significant policy failure, isn't it, childcare in Ireland? It is. And I think one of the failures has been is, is the, the blind alley um, of doing it through tax credits. I mean, tax credits do many things. They Arguably, tax incentives led us into the boom. 
you know, and they're insufficiently targeted towards the objective. So the benefits are not just to women, but really to anybody working in the in childcare, really, isn't it? And benefits to the employers as well. The benefits are to firstly they're to, to the children. If you have higher quality childcare, the children benefit. Um, and again, if you have children being cared for in the home up to age one, all all the the scholarly work in terms of child psychiatry and sociology says that is the best option. That's the first thing you need to put children first in this. Then you have parents. Who talk about childcare as if it's a second mortgage, which is quite a startling um, admission. There's, there's employers and the economy as a whole because people come out and say, maybe in unguarded moments, our young people will come back. Well, young people who maybe have emigrated as singletons and who have got married abroad, they'll be having discussions as couples about what they do. And one of the things that's going to be injected into the debate is yeah, it'd be lovely to go back home, but who's going to mind the kids? We had a colleague here in Congress, and at the time of the crash, he went back to with his with his Irish wife to live in Sweden. And his first email back said, "My childcare costs have gone from eight hundred euros a month to eighty a month." Now, you know, we're often accused of putting forward the Nordic model as being, you know, a, a super gold-plated model that cannot possibly be achieved. But there has to be a happy medium between eight hundred and eighty. Doctor Peter Rigney there. There's a lot of insights in that report and you can read the details on the Congress website, ig2.ie. While the cost of early childcare is pushing women out of the labour force, low pay is another huge factor for working women in Ireland. So what's the scale of low pay and what are the causes? The Nevin Economic Research Institute has produced new research in this area and its director, Tom Healy, joined me in Congress Talks to give me the details, including the finding that there are 200,000 women working on less than the living wage. A lot of them are in hospitality, um, retail, uh, personal services and uh, there seems to be two problems. One is uh, quite a lot of low pay when you look at the gross hourly pay rate but also uh, difficulty that people have accessing hours of work. Now, we did focus much more on the pay rate, but we drew attention to the the problem of hours of work. When you put the two together, uh, you're looking at quite a large number of families and households where uh, both earners um, have very modest uh, earnings, or in some cases there's only one earner, and in, in many cases that can be a female earner. And that really is driving poverty, uh, even what we call in-work poverty. Mm-hmm. As you said, three in ten female employees were earning below 11.45 an hour. That's right, yes. And uh, again, it's the benchmark. Uh, yeah. It's roughly also corresponding to about two-thirds of the average hourly wage. There are different ways of measuring it, but it's, it's a reasonably robust international measure. And what the OECD data indicate is that we have we are among the highest in terms of low pay when measured as a proportion of the average wage. So men and women together, uh, the level of low pay is quite high in Ireland, higher than in uh, almost all other EU countries. And why is that, do you think? It's a good question. I think the reasons are complex, but in terms of low pay more generally, there is certainly a whole group of very vulnerable workers uh, in precarious employment, Uh, Women seem to be particularly vulnerable because of uh, an uneven uh, labour participation history, so uh, people are taking time out from the labour force. The actual social supports and provision for women is very poor. That's uh, a disincentive in some cases for women to actually go out to work because pay is so low in their case and the cost of early childhood 
provision and care is so high that many are discouraged. They might take up part-time employment, and in, in that case, it's quite casual and precarious. So that could be certainly one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, more generally, though, there is a lot of inequality in the Irish labour market, and compared to other countries, uh, we, we have a much more unequal distribution of wages. And it could be that that social policy has facilitated that by operating the taxation and the welfare system to negate the effect of low wages and inequality of wages. So there is this somewhat unique Irish arrangement of, of a progressive income tax system and um, a progressive social welfare system compared to other European countries, and then a lot of inequality in, in, in gross market wages. So it's a, very, it's a very British, it's a very American thing, and we're, we're following that model. The difference, perhaps, in the Irish case is that government social policy has stepped in to equalise uh, more or to make, to make wage inequality less of a problem. So there's a sort of a buffer effect there. But compared to most European countries, not only Nordic, but Germany, France and other countries, the distribution of wages is much larger here. And the social supports are much weaker, particularly in terms of public services and investment in the early years. Mm -hmm. And and we've talked about investment in the early years with with, with Peter Rigney, Mm. um, because Congress have done a separate report looking at uh, childcare. And you can't, I mean, you can't ignore childcare as part of this equation, but, is, but looking yeah. at, the other, at the other parts of this, like I say, women tend to leave the workforce and then they come mm. back and maybe come back on lower pay. Mm. Education, does that play a role in it as well? Huge role, actually. And again, Ireland is quite exceptional in that the, the more education you have, particularly higher education, uh, makes a big difference to your earnings in the labour market. In fact, the gap between men and women... Uh, at third level, that's people you know who have a degree or um, or a similar qualification at higher education level. The gap between men and women isn't that big actually. Where you really see the difference is when you move down towards uh, primary, lower secondary, or people who have left uh, school or completed education before the equivalent of the leaving cert. There are big differences there, not only in labour market participation but in wage rates. And also, women workers at that level of education seem to be at a particularly big disadvantage. And that's where it actually breaks, breaks even in a way that if you're only going to earn 9 or 10 euro an hour and you have to pay almost the same again, or not quite, in, in costs of getting to work and transport and uh, early childhood care, for example, then it, it's a real problem and a barrier for women at that level. There isn't one single solution, though, is there? No, it's a combination of things and certainly positive measures to to ensure uh, sufficient representation of women, for example, in Parliament, but also in state boards. I think that can be a good thing. It can work up to a point, but there's a lot more needed. And certainly it comes back to issues like education, uh, long-term cultural shifts and investment in in training, I guess, and in, in capacity. But because, again, I think a fundamental problem here is the inadequacy of investment in early childhood care, that it's a real problem that if the creche is closing at 5 o'clock or there's no creche or it's 20 miles away if you're living in a rural area, it makes, just makes it incredibly more difficult for men and women, but particularly for women. On that note, we'll leave it. Mm. 
Tom Healy of the Nevin Economic and Research Institute. Thanks very much. You're welcome. For Thanks. And that's all from this episode of Congress Talks. Remember, there are regular updates and news on the Congress website, ic2.ie. And on social media, you can follow us on Twitter, at Congress, and on Facebook. I'm Eileen O'Mara, and thanks for listening. <laughs>